0: If you thought the woke takeover of the military would be ending soon, I've got bad news for you. Earlier this week, news broke that the Navy hired an active duty drag queen who goes on the stage uh, with the name Harpy Daniels and identifies as non-binary and as a Navy digital ambassador. Somehow or another... uh, It's a lot scarier when the Pentagon does it, and it's not just Budweiser. This is Dylan Mulvaney meets the village people, and it is really dangerous. Meanwhile, the FBI has labeled today's guest a domestic terrorist and a white supremacist. He's a vet and he's an Asian, so just on the surface, it doesn't work. And when I say vet... I mean, he's a former Green Beret who, in his 18-year career in the Army, rose to the rank of a sergeant major in the Special Forces. He served 10 tours of duty, five rotations in Iraq, conducting elite operations. This guy fought his way through the mountains of Afghanistan. A whistleblower revealed that the FBI had targeted his company, called the American Contingency, and it's just an emergency preparedness organization led by veterans like himself. As the owner and CEO of Fieldcraft Survival, he teaches people how to be their own first responder, equipping, equipping them with all of the wisdom they need in order to survive total disaster. Have you ever wondered what what are you going to do if the grid collapsed? What would you do if uh If if there was an EMP, if my city just starts in flames and it doesn't look good. Have you ever felt unprepared or worried that you wouldn't know what to do or how to respond if the worst happens? Imagine being in that situation. What would you do? Well, today's guest specializes in these types of scenarios. I have a feeling he's going to be back often because I have so much to talk to him about. His upcoming book, Preparedness, a Manual for Surviving Worst-Case Scenarios, is a practical guide for resilience in the face of the apocalypse. Please welcome American Mike Glover. Before we get into the podcast, first I have to tell you about Grip6 Socks. You work hard for your money. You earn your money. You're an American. You want to... (laughs) You want to do what Mike is doing, strengthen the communities of America. So that strengthens America. We don't make stuff in America any longer, uh, and we need to. So Grip6 is this company. They started making wallets and I think belts, and they wanted to just try to make everything here in America, all the sourcing, everything. Well, that is really dangerous to do. It's expensive. It's hard. But they did it. They went all the way to the ranchers to get the sheep that produce the modern wool that you can wash and process and keep it. So it's it. They're not socks that go down on your feet. In fact, I think I'm wearing I am I'm wearing some right now. They'll keep your feet warm in the summer. um, And it's all, again, American. Connect with the people who are trying to work for the country just like you are American labor, American products grip six.com grip slash back go there now hey mike how are you man good how are you thanks for having me on man you bet uh you know i know i'm on all kinds of lists uh with the government but I don't think I've ever seen anybody uh, that is clearly a good guy treated like you are being treated by the FBI. It's an amazing story. Can you tell people who don't know the story what's happening to you? Yeah, it's
1: it started. It actually started a couple years ago, as I found out later through Project Veritas's work. This mm-hmm. later came out, but. I started American Contingency, an organization that was community-based, based on people not having the ability to network and connect in time of crisis. It's kind of what we mm-hmm. do at my company, Fieldcraft Survival. And as soon as that got released, according to the reports from Project Veritas, analysts at the FBI determined that I was a potential threat, and my group, American Contingency, was a militant, violent, extremist organization. Okay,
0: wait, 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 wait. Facilitating. Wait. So I I want to take this apart a little bit. What is the American contingency? What were you training people to do? So American contingency's goal and objective, its mission statement since the origin,
1: was to provide a forum for people to help each other during a time of disaster, natural or man-made. Civil unrest to hurricane um, anything in between so Correct. it was basically a, a forum for people to communicate all right and so it was online yeah it was uh, american is
0: where we started the uh the organization okay and you were then your theory is when that communication goes down you have to know your neighbors you have to be able to get word for help it's a, I mean that sounds like what the mormons do they have a yeah, network, exactly right, right. Yeah. And their community can come together because everybody is watching over one another and taking care of each other in a, in an emergency. So yeah, was it, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Exactly. No, I was just going to say, I, I live in Hebrew city, Utah, 61% oh. of my population
1: is Mormon. I am not, my employees are, but that foundation actually comes from that level of preparedness with community and resilience built in people
0: not technology you know not in institutions but in people coming together correct uh, you know it's it's almost as if you know i asked on the air today is the government their actions are they making you more independent uh and safer or are they making you uh uh weaker And dependent on them and this entire system that is collapsing, as everything is collapsing, they're taking away your ability to to help yourself and your community. This I mean, what you described, there's not only the way the Mormons live, but it is also the way our country was founded. That's the republic that you're describing.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the problem in this whole vi- thing that we were doing was essentially we were advocating for independence. We were advocating for self-reliance. And a government that's business model is based off control doesn't like that. So we are targeted, at me as an individual, my organization, uh, even my company, Phil Crafts Survival, that teaches preparedness as these are potentially the bad guys here because they're pulling us away while we're trying to cut the umbilical cord develop resilience and self-reliance in people they're saying hey this is a potential threat to the government and and that was the overarching
0: problem so was there anything that was happening online that you can look at and go okay well some dork said this or whatever that because they called you an extremist uh, I believe you've been a white supremacist and a domestic terrorist. Yeah, the the
1: interesting thing is I was labeled a white nationalist a right wing extremist. All these things, all these labels, they even did a um, a liberal organization. I would say extreme organization media group did a hit piece on me that was like 30 pages long, like a lot of respect for. Coming up with thirty pages of fiction, yeah, but but I'm a, I'm actually half Korean. My dad was in the army stationed in Korea, where he met my beautiful mother uh, in the army in the eighties. And I'm like, like, how do I become labeled a white nationalist when I'm half Korean? Most of my employees are minorities. I'm service di- disabled, connected, military veteran, like fit all the parameters of all the things, and in that narrative and they're attacking me and that was that hurt i mean to Mm -hmm. be honest it was like i worked for the cia i worked in special operations for a long period of time in the army and that was devastating to see that a kind of attack on us and i think the problem is it started as this thing that was unbeknownst to us because we were getting suppressed on all the social media channels Facebook deleted American contingency and blocked us out. Shopify deleted my business account. They literally said you have 72 hours to collect your information and then we're deleting your account with no, like no way to rebut mm-hmm. what they were proposing that we were doing something wrong on the platform. And not telling and what you we what found, you did. Not telling us anything. And what we found out later was the government had a deal with big tech and they were communicating all of the people. They didn't want... Uh, On on open channels uh, and they were suppressing our First Amendment rights. They were shutting us down by destroying our business and they tried to do it. And by all accounts, they did. If we didn't have the ability to flex and adapt, Mm -hmm. then we would have just been out of business. But it was difficult to say the least.
0: So it's amazing to me. You're a Green Beret. You've served honorably. You have I mean, you've done more in your lifetime uh, to serve the country than than I certainly have and, and now your country is coming after you, that has to really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's devastating. I,
1: I, I knew this kind of thing existed. I, didn't ex- I experienced the politics at a high level when I was a sergeant major in special forces, Um I witnessed that. That's one of the reasons why I stepped aside because I was like, I, don't, I want to do something for myself for once. I, I thought I selflessly served for a period of time. I earned it. I felt like I earned it. So mm-hmm. I stepped aside and said, I'm going to do uh, this American dream, this entrepreneurship journey, which I grew grew up with, uh, with my mom owning a small business in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. The, the devastating thing was I had no say in it. I had no chance to speak my case. And, and you know, luckily for for the opportunities I've been given, even here being able to tell my story, most people aren't able to tell their story. And I'm afraid this is likely
0: happening oh, yeah. across the country oh, yeah. to a lot of people, including veterans. Yeah. um, I, Things have changed so much. I mean, I remember in 2016, I mean, I've known this stuff has gone on. I've I've known the you know, that there's some sort of shadow gates that you have to walk through you know what i mean it's it's a it's a a collection of people that that uh, pretty much uh oversee things uh and you're not getting anywhere unless unless you're part of that group um but i don't mean it like a star chamber way it's just kind of a, a loose collection that's what i used to think i don't believe that anymore i i mean i used to believe in the fbi i used to believe in law and order i used to believe in our cia or the nsa uh even even when um uh what's his name came out with all of the information on spying on us i still was like well that's probably not the core i really truly believe now that they see the American people as a greater enemy than they see our legitimate enemies overseas. Yeah, I, 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 that's spot on.
1: I mean, when I was, I was at Six Hours Academy recently, and I had the head of the Joint Terrorism Task Force uh, on the East Coast, I, I won't name his station because I don't want to compromise him. He's a high level FBI employee. I mean, he's a supervisor in charge of that segment of the organization. He came out, drove out to the SIG Academy, and pulled me aside in the middle of a parking lot at SIG Sour Academy in New Hampshire, and said, Mike, I want to talk to you. And the first thing I said was like, oh, why is there an FBI guy talking to me? Correct. And he said, he said hey, I wanted to communicate to you a couple of things. And he said, formally, on the record, I want to say, I apologize on behalf of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which I'll take with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But what he said informally, he said, I'm a member of American contingency, not because I'm spying on you, not because I'm seeing if you're doing wrong, I'm a member because I believe in your mission. And he said, a lot of men and women that I work with believe in your mission, but at the deep root of it all, there is a political drive to fit a narrative that we cannot combat. And he said in the history, this is a 30 plus year veteran, of the fbi he's been in hostage rescue he's done the tactical things he's done the investigative things and now he's in charge and he says he can't combat the deep state and he's dropped this paperwork because he's going to retire because he can't deal with it see that that's, a, that's, that's that's a, a huge
0: facing. problem i mean yeah, if massive. the good guys resign they're going to be replaced with really bad guys and then you know we become the ss this is really not good Do you believe that there's enough people um, in the institutions that if they would screw their courage to the sticking place, that they could gather together and and stop this, expose it? It's that look. Cal
1: Serafin, who is an FBI agent, it was the original whistleblower blower on this whole deal. He's the one who basically said the parent teacher conference thing where the FBI was targeting parents at these conferences, Mm -hmm. speaking their mind, Mm -hmm. you know, just exercising their First Amendment rights. The deal with me, with an analyst basically targeting me, like what they don't understand. like on the surface, a civilian would read that and go, oh, Mike wasn't targeted when you're identified by the FBI as potentially being a risk. There is an allocation of funds and resources that are allocated towards you and targeting. I know this because I did this for a living with the FBI overseas against terrorists. So I understand exactly how it works. And it's not as easy as saying, oh, well, Mike was just identified for an open source kind of deal. No, no. An analyst who was doing open source research initially pinpointed me, and that was put in an allocation resource. And from what I saw, no counter surveillance or surveillance assets were utilized but that's just my case how many americans are being investigated like edward snowden report with the nsa Mm -hmm. how many how many of these uh civilians in our country and their all of their rights are being violated and they don't know about it because they're looking in instead of looking out they should be looking at isis one of the most uh, significant threats of our time that didn't just die off. They still exist. We should be focused on that. But instead, we're focused on the number one threat to domestic security is white nationalist. It's like, what? There is no evidence of that. There's no proof of that. And you're coming after a half Korean guy, you know, what I mean, like who has checked all the blocks. They, here, here's what I'll tell you, Glenn, which is du- I was dumbfounded by in the report from Project Veritas. They literally investigated me went into my DD-214, which is my open service record, which is probably a public record anyway, which is fine. But then they went to Veteran Affairs and looked into all of my disability and all of my post-traumatic records for everything. So I was like, wait a minute. So what were they trying to glean from that? Was it a red flag kind of thing? Were they looking for all the signs and symptoms of somebody who is crazy? And it's like, what a violation. As a small business owner who's just trying to do good in the country, what a violation. After all the suppression, after all it's said and done, what hurts the most, it's like, those are dudes that I work with. I mean, those FBI hostage rescue guys are dudes that I was stood next to on targets, killing bad guys for this country. And here I am being investigated by those same guys. And that's what hurts the most.
0: Going about your daily life when you're living with pain sucks. I know. I know I used to be that way. You don't have to be that way anymore. This is an all natural remedy to to curb the inflammation that is happening in your body. Inflammation is what makes most of us sick, most of our disease Comes from some sort of inflammation in the body. uh, And how do you do it? Ibuprofen has never worked for me. I've never believed in, oh, it's going to reduce inflammation because it never makes my pain go away. When I do an inflammation reducer, my wife was the one who said, take the pill and just try it. It's all natural. What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, all right. So I tried it. And it has worked for me. Relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Call 800, the number four, relief. Relieffactor.com. So we have, um, we have corruption at levels I've, I've never seen before. We have things coming out from whistleblowers all the time. I don't know if you heard about the uh, whistleblower on, the, on 9-11, nine eleven. You know, just came out this extra news that came out and said the CIA was running internal to the United States, internal ops. And they were they knew those hijackers were here and they were trying to recruit those hijackers to work for the CIA. And we hear about this 20 years later. They have 11 FBI agents, uh, I think five or six former CIA You've got uh, one of the former heads, I think, of the CIA, a U.S. senator, all cooperating. this. Nobody's even talking about it in the news. Nobody just is like a, it's, it's nowhere. Why? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a problem because
1: what's happening now in mainstream media that's creating the narrative, which is, I think, the most important reason why places like yours exist is because we could actually seep through all the sabotage and the propaganda mm-hmm. and actually get to the truth. The The overarching problem now is all of these things are going on with at a great rate, and they've been going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last time I checked when I got my degree from American Military University, part-timing the degree in between operations overseas, was there were 17 organizations in the intelligence community. And, and that has thus increased between now and the GWAT, the global war on terror. And what does that mean? Well, it means redundancy, not a lot of communication, a whole bunch of government officials and politicians and GS service members basically competing against each other. And what we get is we get an absence of the truth and we get a whole bunch of mistakes being made. I saw it firsthand. I mean, I I was in a remote base in the middle of Yemen where the the main chief of that base didn't know what was going on in his backyard. And I'm like, I saw that level of incompetence at the highest, highest level tactically. And I'm like, how did the Chief not know that we just dropped the bomb on bad guys like a couple miles down the road? And he's the base. He's like the chief of base. it 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 started to make me question because I thought, like a special operations guy's path, his progressive development, leads you to paramilitary operations in the CIA. And you think that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like you do all this hard work as an infantryman, as an operator, as a green beret. And you're like, that's where I want to be. Until you like pull the curtain back and realize, yes, great Americans, patriots, good, good people doing good things. But the system is inherently flawed. And I saw all of that. It was, it was a nightmare. It was a mess. And it made me realize I just need to get back to basics. So I just wait, want to wait, go wait. home.
0: So, so what do you, when you say the system is flawed, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, let me give an example. Um, I, I worked for the CIA. I was, I was a contractor. I've, I've openly discussed that. I was a global response staff officer for the CIA. The guys in 13 hours in Benghazi in Libya, some of those guys are the guys that actually recruited me. Amazing Americans, like some of the best people that I know. The problem is, let's take the CIA, for example, the CIA doesn't talk to anybody because the CIA is basically its own business. I mean, in CIA headquarters, there's like a Starbucks there that probably does better than any place on planet Earth Hmm. because that's the hub, right? That's the business center for the CIA. The CIA has operational control and intelligence control over any other agency, including the Department of Defense. So in Afghanistan, early in the global war on terror, 0405 time frame, I would get calls in the firebase where somebody would pick up the phone or somebody pick up the phone and say, "Hey, uh, somebody from an interagency, an interagency," and they get on the phone like, "Yeah, what's up?" I was in charge of force protection at our firebase. They said, "Hey, um, you're going to get an impending attack in the next twelve hours. Be prepared." And they would hang up the phone, and I'm like, "This is a secure line, right?" Like, yeah. Well, somebody just called from the interagency, said, we're going to get attacked in the next 12 hours and hung up the phone. Oh, that's probably the CIA. I didn't know any better. I was a young staff sergeant, Green Beret, cherry to the whole entire deal. My team sergeant, team leader, they knew better. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's how the CIA operates. Like, wait a minute. So they operate by cold calling bases and telling them, hey, you guys are going to get attacked in the next 12 hours and hang up the phone with no communication And that's a microcosm of the scale that we're dealing with, where every interagency, the NRO, the NSA, uh, uh, name it, they're all competing for the same deal. And the problem is that uh, elicits a lot of difficult things, including corruption, that you are later going to deal with and reflect back on 20 years from now. We saw it with the Afghan-Russia campaign. Uh, We saw it with the the rise of al-Qaeda. I mean, Osama bin Laden. We saw it with the Vietnam War with Ho Chi Minh. Mm -hmm. Ho Ho Chi Minh was trained by the Office of Strategic Services, um, the OSS, the precursor to the CIA and Green Berets. And I love this stuff. I was a Green Beret. I was in the CIA. I love this stuff and I respect these men greatly. But because of the bureaucracy, because of the political agendas, this is the stuff that we're seeing. Um, Last point. I was involved in the whole deal with Libya. I was the first Green Beret to deploy post-Benghazi to Mm. Libya to to go after the terrorists that were involved um, in this attack on our embassy. There was four Americans that were killed, if we remember that, which most of us don't. Two GRS officers and the ambassador, Mm -hmm. Ambassador Stevens, who was a great American. And we knew, task force knew. Um, the most elite organization in counterterrorism knew in 60 days who that terrorist was and where he lived, and we could target him. His name was Abu Katala. We wound up rolling him up later, years later, and he's probably in Guantanamo right now. But we had all of the evidence to present the target packet. And when we presented that target packet, I was in the room with my three guys and then two members of a special operations unit. And we said, we can go kill this guy right now. And the, the charge at the time, which was Alexander Pope, said, it, it is not the right political climate and we can't do it. And uh, I'll just call him by his first name, Jim, uh, who worked for uh, USASAC, US Army Special Operations Command. He stood up and he said, you have to be kidding me. Your ambassador was killed by this ma- man and Al Qaeda. We have his bed down and you're not willing to execute this because you need chief of mission You need the country approval of the ambassador. And he said it was too political of a climate in order to do this operation. And he threw the packet down and we stormed out of the room. And it was the last trip I did uh, in a full time capacity in the military, because after that rotation, I came back and I whistle blew myself on Fox News, um, all of this thing that was going on in the shadows and said... We knew where he was. We had the ability to target and kill him, and we did nothing about it. The FBI was involved in that and stagnating that whole operation, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And it was my first glimpse, which is over 15 years ago, my first glimpse at the corruption that existed at high levels in the government, not allowing guys like me and, and guys like my peers to do their job, do the right thing.
0: So we did some investigating on this and we didn't have uh, drop dead evidence, but it appeared as though somebody was running guns, uh, which eventually ended up in in ISIS in Syria. Um, And that's why nobody wanted to send in the troops. Why did why didn't we at least fly planes uh, with afterburners very low to the ground? It would have dispersed that crowd probably pretty easily. Yeah, the, there's
1: there's a couple issues there. One, I mean, one, if it wasn't for the members of Usosak, the two military guys that were not very well depicted in the movie Thirteen Hours in Benghazi, if it wasn't for them activating. This Haas's rescue operation, they wouldn't have been able to get on a private jet with the GRS guys to go rescue these these CIA and State Department employees that were basically held captive. I mean, Mm -hmm. they weren't at that point held captive. They were fighting their last stand. But imagine if Al Qaeda took that compound over you would have the biggest American citizen in rescue debacle in American history because they would be all over the continent of Africa and, and there would be Americans looking for them. So when they got overhead, um, they started activating the calls. They got denied several times by AFRICOM and soc Special Operations Command Africa. We had all the capability, all the resources, and we didn't do our job. Why? I mean, Why? I, at the, at, well, it was all political. I mean, from what I read from from the many meetings that I did when I was in Libya, October of 2012, I mean, I was in I was in the um, Yusasak headquarters during the time that this was going down, reviewing all of the things that were happening operationally because I knew I was going to be on the next thing uh, smoking down to uh, Libya. We didn't do it simply because it went against the political narrative and would have shook the tree. They were risk adverse because they didn't want to risk their careers. That's what. That's the reason we didn't do anything. And what did that cost? What cost American lives? I mean, it cost a lot of American lives, in, including, I believe, Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty oh, of the yeah. GRS staff office. If it what if they would have changed the way they did things on the ground, they wouldn't have been on that rooftop. And they wouldn't have took those mortar rounds and they wouldn't have sacrificed their lives. Uh, unfortunately for the analysts and Ambassador Stevens, it was too late, uh, too far gone at that time. But more important to me as somebody who like, looks at this and goes, OK, what are we going to do about it? The bad thing happened. Now, what are we going to do about it? The fact we did nothing about it drives me
0: bonkers. It drives so me bananas. this is Knowing, I, mean, th- I yeah. think this is the problem uh, that Americans have in, on almost every front. Nobody paid for Benghazi. We didn't learn a damn thing. Uh, they covered it up with some stupid film thing. It, and we all knew, but nobody had to pay a price. We go into Afghanistan. We have people holding on to our planes and dropping from the sky. And our Pentagon says we didn't see a problem. No one has had to pay for any of this. You, you just get to a point to where you look at it and say, I- I'm sorry, can you actually be this incompetent over and over and over again where not one thing falls in the favor of the United States? It all falls in the favor of our enemies. But how do we possibly get better if we don't self-examine and you know i i don't think americans would have had a problem if they would have come after benghazi and said we screwed that up we screwed it up here's where we did wrong but they don't ever do that so yeah. h- how do we ever get any better how do we not just breed more incompetence and more corruption
1: I, I think it's a i mean it's a million dollar question but i also i i think part of the reason this exists in our country today is because we've seen that our political system is broken. I, I look, I, I, I have, if you had asked me this a year ago, I wouldn't have said anything like that. I would have said, hey man, it's just people, human beings are inherently flawed. You know, there's a, there's a path, there's a way. And now after seeing my peers, like uh, one of the Latrell brothers, mm-hmm. like he's, he's in Congress now, Eli Crane, a, a Navy SEAL that I worked with overseas these men are fighting the fight. There's good women fighting the fight, but they are not making any headway. All of the things they're telling me are, look man, this is impossible. And and what I've seen is like, we will hold, when I was in the military, if you mishandled classified documents or material of any kind, it was the end of your career. I saw good men and women completely lose their career 20 years in for the mishandling of classified material. But if you're a politician, you're not only given immunity, but you could go on to professionally develop and be in higher positions. That is like a classic like officer bureaucracy issue that we see in the military where there's too many officers in special operations, and this has kind of been an issue. Take that and amplify it by a 1,000, and that's what we're looking at with politicians. They have complete immunity. They could do whatever they want, whenever they want, and nobody's held accountable. What system is in place to hold them accountable? There's not one. The inspector general General will line it out and give you a narrative and recommendations, but the Justice Department that works for the current administration won't go after Mm -hmm. the current administration. So there will be no accountability held on either side of it. And these guys make millions, hundreds of millions of dollars while in office, and they they get out and they do their speaking engagements and they live these lush and plush lives still supported by the taxpayer. When I was in the army, I couldn't moonlight. I, I wanted to bounce at a local uh, night establishment because I could get paid well, and it's something that I was good at, right? i was I was good at physical confrontation. If I did that, I would have to get judge advocate approval at the battalion level. And if they caught me doing it, I would lose my job. They would rip my special forces tab off my left shoulder if I was caught doing that. And you look at these guys in, in our political system and it's like on so many levels, it's not just incompetence. It's complete corruption and it's chaos. It's like you almost like for the first time I've looked at this and go, how do you 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 have to reset this? There's no way that you could uh, instill some kind of policy, some kind of mandate. You would literally have to start up. I I don't I don't see any
0: other way. I will tell you, I keep saying we need to unplug it and plug it back in and restore the factory settings. But how you do that uh, is beyond me. I mean, how do you how do you shut down the CIA uh or the fbi and not make the country vulnerable how do you get rid of all of the bad guys that are there because they'll all hide they know the framework i mean how do you do it? it it's literally an impossible task i mean the problem with
1: corruption is individuals who have their ideology are infiltrated into these organizations and then the the staff supervisors the people in charge the managers these guys are giving them the latitude to take their ideology and enact and execute it and immerse it in in the narrative of what their mission and protocol is which by the way all their missions and all their all their protocols have nothing to do with politics but even in at the nuanced level if let me give an example if a case officer is writing a cable that has good intelligence in that cable because of their ideology, and let's just use wokeness as an example, they will create a cable and intel report that has certain factors or variables that are con- or part of that narrative in woke culture. So when you take that in scale across 17 organizations mm-hmm. that are doing the same thing in the military, it is literally a cancer eating every institution inside out. I mean, I hear it from the military side all the time where now because of this inclusive nature of everything, they can't get the job done. When I was in the Army, there was no gender. It was you were a private. You were a private first class. You were a sergeant. You were held accountable by your rank, your profession. That, that was your virtue, not what, what you decided to be when you woke up. Because everybody was uh, equal in that sense, so when I see all these things affecting everybody from the inside out, the only way to do it is take over every single institution with the right leadership from the onset. And and I'll give you one example of one case where I think it could work. And 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 this is this is a hardcore case of it. But imagine Jocko is president of the United States and Tulsi Gabbard is the VP. Because Jocko and Tulsi Gabbard come from a military operational background and they understand how this works in institutions and culture, they would put every single leader in every important uh, administrative position with somebody they trust, somebody who likely has a similar background and context. And they know that decentralizing these people um, is proxy going to benefit the entire institution. That is literally the only way I could see this working out when they say, Mike, uh, go be the ambassador of this country because we know we could trust you to be in that position. Navy SEAL, veteran commander, whoever from Jocko's side, go be and take over the CIA. You know how this works operationally. But instead, we have the best buddies who are political pawns, who have no context and experience, are put in charge of these organizations that literally have no Um, there's no reason for them to be in charge other than they're just getting favoritism from their friends. And and that's a distinct problem. That would be me. That would be like me being in charge of a special forces group and saying, Hey, all my civilian buddies that drink beer with on the weekends, you're going to be in charge of all these green berets and we're going to go to war. That that is that is the place that we're at right now with the level of incompetence and corruption and 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 like your analogy, uh, it, the Great Reset. I, I used uh, the Nintendo cartridge, where the only way you can get a Nintendo cartridge to work back in the day was pull it out and blow out all the dust and put it back in. We have to defraggle mm-hmm. our government one step at a time, and the only saving hope is the right leader in a presidential position who has the right team that resets and basically spend four years consulting and defraggling the institution and hopefully gets four more years where he could basically get to work
0: because it's going to take four years just to unscrew the current situation we're in. You know, the best thing about summer? um, Well, I'm an alcoholic, so I was going to say mowing the lawn on a really hot day and then having an ice cold beer. That used to be the best. Um, The best thing now about summer are cookouts. Just having a great hamburger or hot dog or chicken on the grill, a steak, out of your mind, great. To do that, you need to, A, find something affordable and something really good. What if I told you you could get hand-cut, aged to perfection, steaks, you can get hamburger, you could get fish, all of it from America. It's all American beef and chicken and seafood. And you can also lock in your price, so inflation's not going to inf- affect you at all. It's possible. GoodRanchers.com. That's what they do: ribeyes, New York strips, all natural burgers, chicken, everything you want. Plus, it's all thirty dollars off with the code Glen. Eighty-five percent of the grass beef uh, that we have, b- grass-fed beef, it-, it comes from overseas. Good Ranchers is supporting the ranchers, locking in your price. Giving you great, great meat. What else do you need? GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code GLEN. Save $30 off your order. It's GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. You know, when Epstein committed suicide, uh, you know, everybody was like, oh, it was the Clintons. And, you know, for fun, you can go down that road and. <laughs> You know, okay, it's maybe Hillary was in the cell, but I thought it was really suspicious. I thought uh, uh, that does not look like a suicide, but I don't I didn't know who did what or anything else. As things begin to fall together, it all falls together with this same group of people, and they're all connected to the intelligence community. Why are we not finding things out? Because the intelligence community has co-opted our media. All of their unnamed sources are always a former official or a current official in one of the intelligence community. And they're always lies. And then when they're exposed, the media doesn't say, well, I'm not listening to that guy again. So there must be some sort of co-opting going on. And as you look at Epstein and the connection now with the banks and the connection with the intelligence community. Was he an operative doing horrible things, uh, you know, a, a really horrible honeypot situation? Was he doing things for either our intelligence agencies or others? And that's why nobody's looking into any of this stuff. So,
1: you know, I, I have a TS, I had a top secret uh, SCI clearance with both the CIA and the military. I mean, they're very distinct and different classifications of clearances. From everything that I've seen, everything that I've analyzed and assessed, all the news reports, because I've gone down the rabbit hole, 100%, that was an intel collection operation. Yeah. It, it, there's no doubt in my mind. And, Correct. And look, to give CIA credit, there's a lot of these type of things they do, which benefit our intelligence understanding, uh, whether it's you know framing people or putting them in a weird way. The, the, the benefit exists. The problem is the CIA, because it's not held accountable for a lot of these things because they could stamp covert action on the document. They could literally classify anything at any time period they want where nobody, because it's a compartmentalized operation, nobody will have access to that. It's called a special access program. I mean, I've been involved in special access programs in the military where only a handful of people in my own organization knew about it. And so when you're part of a SAT program, when it's covert action, when you have no obligation to communicate what you're doing to Congress, to people, And it's just something that's done in the basement of a building inside of
0: Langley headquarters. That is a problem. Because now we're. How does that happen with no oversight? You can't run a country like this where you have organizations and people that can say we're not telling Congress that is no longer a country of by and for the people.
1: Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. I mean, if you watch the recent congressional hearings um, with the, the head of Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. the head of uh, immigration, uh, the list goes on. I mean, they've been getting the gauntlet and being grilled by Congress. The attitude from the institution, from the government is we don't have to say anything to you. It's like you work for Congress. Right? Congress works for constituents. Constituents are the American people. We forget that representatives are there to do a job to get accountability. And what we're seeing from these questioning sessions is the government's attitude is we don't have to answer any of this. You, we don't work for you. It's like we, we've we gotten this all wrong. Correct. And And that's that's part of the reason why I think a reset's necessary, because I think the government has lost itself in understanding what it represents. It represents the people. and and this whole we the people idea in 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 washington, d c has gone completely off script. Mm-hmm. And now it's all about sole proprietorship. and I, I think that's where we're seeing the problem. When you can go into an elected position and stay for fifty plus years,
0: come in worth nothing, come out worth hundreds of millions of dollars. There's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a There's real a problem. problem. So um, I, I, we are getting close to running out of time. I can't believe how fast this has gone. Um, I, I quickly, uh, because I want to talk a little bit about uh, the American people uh, and anger. What first... Are you worried? What scenario are you worried about most when you think of the thing melting down? Is it the banking? Is it AI? Is it uh, you know an EMP? A uh, a power hack? What 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 do you worry most about? Most likely to happen? Do you think? Most
1: likely to happen is the integration of AI on a scale we've never seen before. Yeah. Um building and driving emotions that lead to people hitting the streets and civil unrest, and then people trying to burn down the institutions. It, look, th- this is worst case scenario specifically. Civil unrest happens. Cops get in gunfights with civilians. Civilians get in gunfights with police officers. Now police can't go out and police. Now you have anarchy because then you have patriots like me who are going to protect their own community. They come out of the woodwork and then you have pockets of resistance across the country where the government's trying to gain control, but they don't have the aptitude nor capacity to gain control. And then, nor the trust, nor the trust, most significantly the trust. And then what you will see is a decentralization of states locking down their own borders. I mean, I live in the wonderful state of Utah who by all, at least on the surface means is not, Subsiding to all this wokeness, all this all this political drama. But if we locked down our borders against people in California and Washington state, what would that look like? And all these other states like I started American contingency because of Chaz, which is that little microcosm of wokeness that exists in Seattle. We're likely to see AI on an a unprecedented scale affect emotions mm-hmm. because it learns behavior and can be deployed across the globe. And that's not just coming from Americans uh, in, in, internal. That's foreign adversaries using the algorithms, the AI to generate the emotions. I mean, let let why combat us when you could let the AI um, emotionally drive us to burn ourselves to the ground.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. um, The phishing schemes uh, that they're where they're fishing for credentials in this first quarter, the first month of the quarter, it was up by forty percent, and that's pretty bad. But over the entire quarter, it's up five hundred and twenty-seven percent. Chat GPT come to mind at all? Look, here's the thing: people um, that don't want to work. Uh, think your money is theirs. And as long as they don't have to work, they'll put a bot on it and they'll get all the information they need. They'll get your home title. And if you don't have somebody watching over your home title, it is unbelievably easy to steal somebody's home. You just get the title, they fake uh, your signature, selling your home. Free and clear to them. They go to a bank. They say, I own this property free and clear. Here's the title. They take out a loan for, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They're gone. And then about a month or two later, you start to get notes from the bank and then the sheriff shows up and you got nothing. You got nothing. You need somebody to watch over your home title. Use HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Get 30 days of free protection. Find out if your home is still yours even now. Use the promo code BECK. Promo code BECK, HomeTitleLock.com. I, I just don't think people understand. Uh, well, at least I kind of hope they don't understand. Otherwise, they're just uh, I don't know, just willing to become a slave. Um, but I don't think people understand how dire the situation is. You know, it's never happened here before, you know, this, the government going completely dark, uh, you know, except for the civil war, Americans fighting each other, but that was North and South. This is going to be every city, every neighborhood, every family. Um, and, uh, and we don't have the supply chains. We don't have the things to even produce medicine at this point. It, it could get really ugly. Here's the thing that I'd like to get your opinion on. When these things have happened before, we've had people like uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Martin Luther King people that at the end of the civil war the first attempt by john wilkes booth on abraham lincoln happened i have the only picture of lincoln and booth in the same photograph and booth is up at the top of the stairs of the capitol and lincoln is giving his second inaugural address booth knew that if there's not hatred The South will not fight again. And he wanted them to rise back up and hit him again. And uh, when he heard Lincoln say with malice toward none and charity for all, let us bind the wounds of this nation. He lost his mind and he ran down the stairs and he was going to kill him with his own hands. Hatred is needed for this. And I don't see the figure that is a leader that is saying, "Love thy enemy." Uh, you know, the first book burnings happened in Germany because the Weimar Republic. The first trans surgery happened in 1926 with a German in Germany, and Weimar went exactly down the same roads. Their their libraries were full of. Homosexual and transsexual stuff. When Hitler got in, the people were like, somebody's got to stop this. Well, you have that somebody. And I am so afraid that the American people are going to get tired of this. They're going to get tired of nobody paying the price. And they're going to find somebody because there's lots of them that will say, I'll solve this. Where the answer is. No, 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 no. We all have to be really cool. And if the Constitution isn't being uh, executed by the government, it will be in my house and in my neighborhood and we will stay sane. How do we do that without visible leadership? Yeah, my answer to that is is probably
1: not going to be the best. American answer but I think the advantage and the reason America is so great is because of its people I think we change this one community at a time I think the the integration of people networking and coming together which we certainly do at my company Craft Survival I mean I, I, every weekend that I talk we have 200 people coming showing up and listening to me talk about preparedness but it's not about preparedness it's about people are looking for purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when they show up and they they ha- they handshake and they have something in common that's not divisive, ripping them apart, it's not toxic. It's this idea like, I, I don't care what political side of the aisle you're Amen. on, but you want to take care of your family, I want to take care of my family. That's so significant and so important. So where we restore this entire experiment is one piece of fabric and one community at a time. And... That's going to be difficult if we don't have people who are willing to get outside of their homes and get off their damn cell phone and get back to basics. But I think the the absence of the federal government, imagine the entire thing burns to the ground in Washington, D.C. What's left? People and their willingness to be self-reliant, to go, oh, well, the supply chain's not coming. The Walmart's not going to be open. The institution isn't going to provide security, which they're all doing bad anyway right they've all they've all all shown their ass anyway so now it's like well why don't we just cut the umbilical cord and go back to basics and do this ourselves one community and one neighborhood at a time and i I think that's what we're going to get back
0: to i I think the cities would would go in the cities would go in chaos but the the rest of the nation that still lives in a community they will take care of each other i mean I believe in the American people. And, you know, Reagan used to say this. Government's not the solution. Government's the problem. Get out of the way. We all, I don't care if you're left or right. We all sit down, as long as you're not on the fringe ends. The average Democrat, the average Republican, when they sit down at a coffee shop with somebody that even they disagree with, they're like, this is crazy. And it's not that hard. We all, I mean, we can see it. This has nothing to do with reality it's crazy we'll fix it yeah it takes it, it just takes a
1: little bit of awareness and i think you, i think you're right i don't think people were designed to be stacked on top of each other in the name of efficiency i think uh, you know if you look at every major metropolitan area all the bad stats are up all the good stats are down And I don't think people are designed to be on top of each other. Those will be the first epicenters to burn. And I I hate to put that out there, but it's like if you want to have some resilience built into your plan, make sure you have a bug out that's beyond the city walls where you can get to grandma's house. You can get outside of that epicenter because that's the first place to go because likely that's where the government institution has the most
0: power. You got to displace yourself from that power to be prepared and to be ready for it. How much longer do you think you're going to be able to say these things or we could have this discussion? That's a sincere question. (laughs) Every time
1: I open my mouth, I'm like, this is going to get suppressed. This is going to be shut down. And we fight it constantly. If I didn't have guys who work for Facebook in the background of meta helping me like, hey, I just got deleted again. For what? speak in my mind. i'm I'm not a radical. I'm actually i'm I'm actually a libertarian. I'm like right in the middle. i'm I'm a little right, right. In center, but it's but it's like I, I can't even speak my mind with with coming up with kind of reasonable and logical solutions without being deemed extreme, which I, I, it won't be long before the entire grid is unplugged. And we'll see leading up to the election, we will see. We will see more of these institutions, more of these big tech companies tied to the government being told like the twitter files exposed to shut these voices down and that might include just my voice certainly
0: and maybe even yours well i hope that doesn't happen mike thank you so much um keep heart um i I know you you know you're not a weak guy you're not going to give up but uh you should know there are millions of people that feel exactly the way you do um and we count on people like you To keep the peace uh, amongst ourselves, not preach hatred, but preach self-reliance. That is the answer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.